Well, good morning, one and all. Welcome in to the Wealth Guardians radio show. Hope your weekend is going well for you. Mine is. We're having a bunch of fun today here in the radio station. Bryce Payne's on the board with me, and uh, I am your host today. My name is Doug Wright. And I'm Bryce Payne, and Doug, it's our new and improved radio station here. We're always getting new gadgets and uh, and uh, technology going here to uh, evermore bring uh, all important facts on financial planning to our audience. And we've got to be one of the only financial planning radio shows that has a lava lamp going in the studio, as well as a picture <laughs> of uh, the cast and crew of WKRP right there as well. So, folks, thank you for uh, tuning in to us this uh, beautiful weekend morning. Hope you're all doing well. And, Doug, you, uh, you are looking uh, fit and proper this morning. Well, thank you, sir. Appreciate the comment. Folks, I think we've got a really good show for you today. We're going to actually, you know, we're a couple guys that come in on the weekends and talk to you every weekend about retirement and stuff. We're going to talk a little bit about us today. So hopefully you'll get to know us a little bit better, kind of what makes us tick. But before we get into that, as always, uh, we want to reach out and say a big hearty thank you to all of our Service members, our veterans, our first responders, their families, thank you so much for what you do for us, the sacrifices that you make, because we know they're big. Thank you. Indeed. And if you are uh, one of our clients, we want to thank you as well for your service. And if you do come in and meet with us at some point, please let us know that you have served, because Doug always enjoys sharing some of those uh, <laughs> wartime conversations with, uh, with people that we're talking with. So, Doug, we are going to talk today, as you said, a little bit about ourselves. So it's what makes us as financial advisors tick. So we're going to ask a couple of questions of both of ourselves here, and uh, just so the audience might learn a little bit about us, and if this stretches into both segments, then so be it. First question we're going to ask here, Doug, is uh, who were the influential people in your life when you were young that shaped the way you view money and wealth, and what lessons did they teach you? Mm. Well, that's a pretty easy one for me. I'm going to have to say my, my dad and my grandfather. You know, I've shared with you in the past, my grandfather got me started in the coin collecting business. Uh, he gave me a silver dollar every birthday, but it was deeper than that. You know, he always showed me a strong work ethic. Right here in Winston-Salem, he was a co-owner of uh, Twin City Packing back in the 30s, and then uh, he uh, left that. And he worked uh, in the insurance uh, business for, for quite some time and also did a lot of tax returns. My dad, his work ethic was amazing. And he certainly taught me that. He was, uh, after he got out of the Navy after the Korean War, he went to work for Advance Auto here in Winston-Salem. And uh, as a youngster, uh, he would have me come in and mop the floors and dust Mm -hmm. off the shelves and pay me a whopping, uh, I think, a quarter an hour or something like that. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm surprised you're not retired yet, Doug. (laughs) Really? How about you, Bryce? Well, uh, two lessons that I learned, and they were both from my uh, parents. And one was not spending money frivolously. I can think back that if I was walking around in the house with socks on, instead of my house slippers or shoes, I would get lectured to because that would wear holes in the socks and mom did not want to go out and buy new socks for me. Socks cost money and it was an unnecessary expense. So I had ingrained from me at a, at a young age to not spend money that you didn't need to spend. As well as the earth work ethic goes, 
I, up until about age 10, I got an allowance. And after age 10, I was able to work for myself. And so they were only going to, my mom and my stepfather were only going to give me an allowance if I worked myself. So I got a paper route. And as I mentioned, uh, one of our radio shows recently, uh, that was in Lincoln, Nebraska. And I, Tom Osborne, the uh, old uh, coach for the Huskers, was one of my, uh, on my paper route. <laughs> and uh, so I worked every morning, would get up, whether it was raining or snowing or whatnot, and deliver those papers at about uh, 5.30 a.m. And it was because I did that, they would give me an allowance on top of that. But if I didn't do that, I wasn't getting an allowance. So uh, mm. those couple of things, another funny thing my parents did was when it was time to get a new couch, they did the cost the cost of getting a new couch and decided it was less expensive to reupholster the existing couch. And who does that? Well, apparently my mom and stepfather did that. So that was that was some things I learned about uh, not spending money unnecessarily and um, the the value of a dollar, of the value of working for your dollars. So uh, good answer there, Doug. I know both seems like, sounds like both of us we were learning uh, important uh, factors from our uh, parents and our grandparents. Uh, next question is: How did you, Doug, end up? In the financial business, I've heard this story, but I like your story. Mm, okay, how did you end up in the financial business? Yeah, uh, long way around to getting there. Um, so I'm a '79 grad of East Carolina, and in '75, my freshman year, uh, the med school opened, and they were recruiting, uh, you know, pre-med students. I didn't know what I wanted to do, so I said, "Oh, why not pre-med?" Well, very quickly, biology '70 and '71 ended that, and uh, so I became a business major. And from there, I um, started to think, hmm, maybe the brokerage industry is where I ought to be. Well, when I graduated in 79, it was in the teeth of a recession. And, of course, I applied to the, you know, all the different firms, the Goldman Sachs, the Merrill Lynch's, all that. And, uh, you know, they politely told me I should uh, go get some experience. Uh, they didn't exactly laugh at me. But they said, think about it. Who's going to give their money to a 22-year-old kid? Sure. You know, and it made sense. So um, I went and got some experience. Went and flew Navy airplanes for about eight years. And then uh, at the, uh, I had an opportunity to stay in the Navy. And uh, on my exit interview, I turned in my resignation and my commission. And the captain uh, asked me what, uh, what he could do to keep me. And I said, well, if you can get me into test pilot school, I'll stay. Well, he tried, but obviously uh, I'm here, not mm -hmm. there, and uh, I didn't. I didn't get in. So with that, I resigned my commission and had been offered a position at Merrill Lynch in in Charlotte. We moved there, and I started my career in this business October the first, nineteen eighty-eight. There you go, so. and the rest is history. Yeah, from mm -hmm. there. Very good. Well, I, uh, I'll answer the same question. How did I end up in the financial business? I used to be a teacher in a previous life and had gone through a divorce and had gotten sole custody of um, my daughter and uh, knew that working on a teacher's wages was going to be difficult at that stage. So I had to start looking at something else. And I decided to move out to Colorado uh, where my uh, mother and stepfather lived. And I had been living in uh, down in Fort Mill previous to that. And um, was looking for a job out there, and a previous boss had called me up, and he had just started working at T. Rowe Price as a supervisor. And uh, he said, hey, you know, I, I heard you're back in, in the area, and I think uh, you would be a great fit here at T. Rowe Price if you're looking to not teach anymore, and uh, let's, let's interview you over here. So I thought, okay, yeah, that's a good opportunity. T. Rowe Price is a solid company, and uh, got the job, and that was the last hiring that they did before 
the uh, crisis hit. And oh, so wow. I, I just made it in because they didn't hire for a while after the yeah, crisis hit. True. So that was how I got into it. You know, you have to, in order to get your uh, your FINRA licenses, you have to be sponsored by a company. Mm-hmm. You can't just go out and get it yourself like right. you can an insurance license. And so that uh, can sometimes be a challenging uh, door to get open for you. But I was very fortunate that a previous boss had uh, reached out to me at the right time in the right place. It's funny how some of those life events just happen that way. It really is amazing. You know, it's, uh, I've always thought that when God closed one door, he'd open up another door for you. Yeah. But, you know, uh, teachers and coaches fit really well, not only in our business, but in real estate business, too. I found that to be true. Because if you think about it, what we're doing is education. That's a great point. You know? That's very true. And I, we get a lot of compliments here uh, when we're going through our planning process with our clients. And a lot of it is around communication. And, boy, you guys have really done a great job of explaining this to me. And I really understand this. You didn't speak over my head like some other advisors have. And uh, I would credit that to um, my previous experience of teaching and trying to understand where where was the kid at and what level do I need to speak to him or her to get them to understand what it is I'm trying to impart on them. So, yeah, great uh, background there for both of us on that. Uh, let's try to get through another one here, Doug. Uh, what people in the financial industry have been good influences on you and what have you learned from them? Oh boy, I I have really been blessed with so many really good mentors in in this thirty what three years in this <laughs> business. Uh, the first two, uh, my boss at Merrill Lynch, John Engler, who passed away last year, and then uh, my other boss there, Hilliard Staten. Um, you know, John for for getting me, hiring me into the business, and putting up with my uh, my uh, shenanigans for a while, and, and, <laughs> and Hilliard was the old-fashioned stockbroker who used charts, and he taught me pretty much, he got me hooked on technical analysis and charts. And then along the way, I've always been a proponent of continuing education, learning. Right. And uh, as part of that, you know, I have met so many great coaches and and teachers uh, in this business um, from, um, you know, folks at the MDRT, top of the table, you know, to, um, you know, Peers, you know, some of yeah. our peers are my mentors. Richard Berry down in, in, in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I, I owe a lot of my career to, to him. And, um, you know, it's just been one of those things where I've been blessed with so many people along the way uh, that have been over backwards to, to help me make a success for, of my career and, and obviously for our clients All right absolutely i'll uh, i'll answer that myself on the other side of the break here uh we've got to get to the break but it's time for our trivia question but folks if you if any of this uh, sounds like uh, we would be people that you would relate to and might want to give the opportunity to do some financial planning for you our phone number is 336-391-3409 that's 336-391-3409 there's no cost or obligation for sitting down with us and seeing what services or help we might be able to provide you in planning for your retirement so let's get to our trivia question here and i'm going to tell you up front we are not going to stump doug on this one but let's see if we can stump you out there on august 30th this famous investor had his birthday so here's a few points about this and what famous investor are we talking about at age 11 he bought shares of what is now sitco at 38 dollars each by age 16 he had amassed fifty-three thousand dollars from that investment as well as his own business ventures he was rejected by Harvard Business School, and his father-in-law told him he would fail 
in life because the Dems were in office and they were all communists. <laughs> so what famous investor are we talking about there? Folks, stay tuned and see if we can get that answer. We'll see on the other side of the break here. And welcome back to the Wealth Guardians radio show. This is Bryce Payne in the producer's chair. And right next to me in the more important chair is Doug Ray. Thank you for sticking around through the break. Folks, if you are out there and you're listening and you are maybe five to seven years from retirement, and you started thinking about retirement and you want to confirm that you're making the best decisions for your retirement, well, I've got good news for you. We offer here at the Wealth Guardians a no cost, no obligation, second opinion on your portfolio and see if we can help you retire the job while keeping the paycheck. All you got to do is reach out to us. We do all the rest, but you got to call us 336-391-3409. 336-391-3409. You can also reach out to us at thewealthguardians.com. Now, before the break, we asked a trivia question, and usually we try to stump Doug here. I seriously doubt we're going to stump Doug on this one, but the question is, on August 30th, this famous investor had a birthday. And here's some, here's some key points about this investor. At age 11, he bought his first shares of what is now Citgo stock, and he bought it at $38 each. By age 16, he had amassed $53,000. So six times 38, that's a couple hundred bucks. And in five years, that had amassed to $53,000 from that investment, as well as his own business ventures. He was rejected by Harvard Business School. Uh, his father-in-law told him he would fail, not because he didn't know what he was doing, but because the Dems were in office and they were all communists. 94% of his wealth was earned after age 60. So, Doug, the question is, who is this person and how old is he? Well, I'm pretty sure you're not talking about Bernie Madoff. I am not. Good. <laughs> all right. So that's half the... So I'm going to say uh, Warren Buffett. That is true. Yeah. Warren Buffett. Do you know how old he is? Uh, isn't he in his 80s now? He's 91. Is he really? He just turned 91. He was born on August 30th, 1930. Wow. And he just turned 91, if my math is correct, and I'm, I hope it is, because that's what we do here is math. So. <laughs> uh, he's pledged 85% of his net worth to charities, and uh, he spends 80% of his day reading, and I like this quote. He reads 500 pages a day, and he says, knowledge builds up like compound interest. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So, I agree with that. I knew we weren't going to stump Doug on that one, but uh, folks, if you got that right, congratulations. And a big tip of the hat happy birthday to uh, Warren Buffett, or as Jimmy Buffett calls him, Uncle Warren. All right. So, we're going to get back to our topic here. And what we were talking about this week is what makes us as financial advisors tick. And what we talked about in the first segment was who was influential to us uh, on um, our view of money and wealth. How did we end up in the business? And then Doug answered what people in the financial industry have been good influences on you and what have you learned from them? Doug shared that. So I'm no, going to your turn. Yeah, it's my turn. What people in the financial industry have been good influences on you and what have you learned from them? Well, I haven't been in the business nearly as long as you, Doug. I've been in it for 12 years. I had the opportunity not just to learn some of the good things, but some of the bad things about the uh, the world of investment planning, financial planning. And one of the jobs that I had before uh, coming down here into Winston-Salem and working with the uh, Wealth Guardians with you 
I had worked at a bank. It's a national bank. We all know the name of it. I'm not going to say its name. But this was a really good lesson on how not to do financial planning. Uh, it was very cookie cutter. It was trying to secure as many assets as you possibly could on a daily basis. You remember the issues that you had. You've made no secret of this with uh, Wells Fargo right. um, a couple of years back and just how they were trying to churn out business one after the other. Well, this bank kind of had a similar business structure. In fact, uh, you had to uh, talk with your supervisors uh, a couple times a week, and uh, they were tracking how much new business you were signing. And it wasn't about financial planning. It was barely about doing your fiduciary obligations. It was about how many new clients are you getting. And I didn't like that. And uh, on the polar opposite of that, I would say somebody that I have learned good things from in this would be when I came down here with the Wealth Guardians and your approach, Doug, specifically, mm. not just to holistic planning and taking a look at all of the factors and making sure that you're not just doing investment advice, but you're doing a true holistic financial planning, was you have taught me the inherent value of having a good relationship with your clients and good communication with your clients. And that was something that I've seen here that I had not seen anywhere else that I've worked in this field is the importance on maintaining solid relationships with your clients because that is going to go a long way in mutual trust and being able to uh, communicate openly with your clients. Because just like you wanna have good communication with your doctor, you wanna have, be able to have good communication with your financial planner, your, uh, your advisor, and that is certainly what goes on here to a level that I haven't seen anywhere else that I've worked in the field. So that would be uh, the people or the entities that I have learned from um, in both the good side of things and the bad side of things in this business. Well, Bryce, thank you for that. That means a lot. But you know, that was, uh that was a good point you made. Uh, it was one of the reasons why I started my own shop back in 98, because when you work for a big corporation, it's all about the numbers, and they really don't care about the personal relationship. Not at all. I mean, when I was working with T. Rowe Price, it was all on the phone, which is the way that particular business is structured, is 95% or so, I believe, is just uh, over-the-phone business. Well, you don't get the rep that you talk to, the advisor you talk to on one day, and you want to call back and ask some additional questions about your investments, you're not going to get that same advisor. So there's yeah. no relationship that is built up there. When they evaluate you, they don't say, tell me about your relationships you have with our clients, Bryce, so that we can evaluate on it. That had nothing to do with it. So yeah, yeah. It's, and it's very important. I, I The relationships that we have with our clients here is outstanding. It makes me enjoy coming to work here, uh, quite well, honestly. You know, I've, I've said in the past, I'll say again, I mean, our, what, 450 plus households we now have, uh, are not clients they're an extended family right, they right. really are and we, i know that you feel that way that's not just uh something that you're saying i know that you feel that way and uh quite honestly the feedback that we've gotten from clients i've personally gotten from clients is that they feel that way too and that is a huge relief for them with all their hard-earned money being in somebody's hands that they that they trust and and know have their best interests at heart all right. Well, Doug, I'll thank you, too, as well, for uh, the opportunity to uh, join the Wealth Guardians. Uh, moving on to the next question, what are your frustrations with the way that most people plan their retirement that you wish you could fix with the wave of a magic wand? So, Doug, when we Whoa. see people come in here on a, a daily, weekly basis, new people coming into us to sit down and, and, and have us help plan, 
you've got to have some some trends that you see that you wish you could reverse in people's understanding or approach to retirement planning. Well, you know, again, that's another interesting question. And I'd say for the most part, the folks that come and see us want to be here. They're serious about their future. They're serious about their retirement. They're serious about their family. True. What frustrates me with some people, and thankfully we don't get this many of them, but uh, the ones I'd like to fix with that magic wand are the people that come in that just don't seem serious. They don't care. They just, uh, I don't know, lackadaisical. I don't know what the word is. It just it, it just eats at me, you know? Yeah. And, and you work hard. I mean, we do a really thorough planning job for everybody. We do it free of charge, whether they become a client or not. And a, lot of fr- a lot of front-end work on our a part. A ton. And you do a lot of it. I have to give you credit. And for people to look at that and just kind of blow it off, that just really infuriates me. Okay. All right. So uh, obviously somebody that we want to sit down with are those who uh, are ta- have taken their retirement planning seriously and want to take it seriously moving forward as well. I'm going to say one of the things that bugs me um, that I wish I could just change with 100% of the people that come in here is folks, know your budget mm. and know yeah, – so, I mean – uh, how many people come to us, and um, I understand, if I had not been in this field, I might have been the same way, or if I didn't have my my specific set of parents, I, I might have been that way too, because it's a, it's a lesson learned to a certain degree, knowing how to budget yourself. But a lot of people out there have gotten to almost to the point of retirement, and they don't know how to budget. They, or they don't. They've never budgeted, and they need some guidance on that. Well, that is an enormous factor in going into retirement planning. We've had people come in here who think that they spend two thousand dollars a month. Turns out they're spending five thousand yeah. dollars a month, yeah. and that is a massive gap. Again, I've told people this. That's like going to the doctor and saying, "Well, I hurt somewhere between my ankle and my shoulder, and I'm not sure where." Well, the doctor is going to have a kind of a hard time helping you pinpoint. What the issue is, if you can't even if you can't tell them where it hurts, and financial planning, knowing your budget, knowing how much you need in retirement, when does that mortgage pay off? What is the uh, interest rate on that mortgage? Do you, are you going to have car loans throughout retirement at all? Is there a HELOC that you need to get paid off? Uh, knowing what you spend on a on a weekly or at least a monthly or annual basis is a huge factor. And I wish I could just wave a wand and when everybody came through our door that they had a good sense of that already. So that's what I would change. Very good point. Of all the numbers we crunch and look at, that number is the centerpiece of your mm-hmm. retirement plan. Yep, absolutely is. If you just change that number a little bit, that can either save your retirement or it can bomb it. Uh, yeah. no, no question asked. All right, we're going to quickly go into the last question here. What's, Doug, the most gratifying thing about your job? Oh, this is an easy one. <laughs> You know, after we do all that planning and we finally tell somebody, yeah, you mm. can retire, you see that big smile spread across their face. It's a relief. Face. They hadn't had that answer. It is a true relief. I mean, you can just literally see their shoulders, just the pressure comes off of them. Yep. I, I mean, it happens time and time again. And that, to me, that's why I get up in the morning and do this. Yeah. I hear you. That's exactly right. Uh, you know what the most satisfying job out there is, Doug? When they when they've, they've interviewed all the people who do, have different jobs, the one that has the highest job satisfaction rate is flower delivery people. Why? Oh, okay. Why? 
Give them the flower, see the smile. A hundred percent of the time when <laughs> when somebody opens the door and they see you, they yeah. have an enormous smile on their yeah. face. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, going exactly to what you said, uh, financial planning, when you can provide that good information, that good feedback, the answer that somebody is really looking for, can I retire when I think, am I on track to retire? And they've got that answer. There's that big smile. And that is the most gratifying. That If I can do that one or two times a week, that, that's made a good week for that's me. That's right. Yep, that's absolutely. perfect week. Well, folks, I, we're out of time here, but we want to thank you for tuning in to the Wealth Guardians. Let me give you our phone number again. It's 336-391-3409. That's 336-391-3409. If you think that we might be able to help put that smile on your face, if you want to get that answer, that maybe you can retire when you think you can or that you have been on the right track for retirement, then all you got to do is give us a call or you can reach out to us on our website, thewealthguardians.com. Folks, we hope you have a great rest of your weekend. Doug and I will catch you right here, same time, same channel next week. Doug, you have a good weekend, sir. You too, Bryce. Take care.